0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Since the pandemic, things have changed. The obvious, right? I mean, the world has changed forever and it's never going back. But for me personally, I have uh, really leaned into my purpose and the meaning of life and why I'm here. You know, it has given many of us an opportunity to pause and sit and actually be still. And for me, you know, while every day I get up with this purpose, whether it's teaching in the classroom at Hunter College, now on Zoom, or on the radio Monday through Friday on Sirius XM, my goal was to provide people with an opportunity to have a better life. So, you know, I would bring in guests, um, actually topics that would, in my opinion, you know, help people uh, help people become healthier, wealthier and wiser. But during this pandemic, it's been like, okay, how can I really take it up a notch or how can I really make an impact that will be lasting? So I decided, I didn't decide, actually it happened naturally. And I want to say it was divine providence. Uh, one... I remember it was like one Wednesday, you know, I was talking with Dr. Gray Carr. We had zoomed in, and um, I said, can I hit record? (laughs) Because these conversations are amazing. I, I felt a seismic shift in my spirit, and he was like, yeah, sis, let's do it. So I started hitting record, and we were just talking about things that were happening, and because of his vast knowledge, and Dr. Gray Carr, of course, is the head of Africana Studies At Howard University, he also has a law degree and is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. The conversations just started going. And we decided, well, I just said, well, can we just do this every week? And that was the genesis of In Class with Carr. Up next is the very first time that I met this man. And um, and first, before we get to that, I just want to say thank you for everyone who has kind of uh, found a haven with our conversations on Saturdays on YouTube. Uh, I want to say thank you for people who shared it on Facebook and other platforms. I want to say thank you for people who get What it is that we're doing and understand that this is not just about you know two people having a conversation but it really for me is about you know changing how we think about ourselves in the world it is uh fostering critical thinking it is fostering a sense of community and love of self and one another it is also in many ways you know kind of the blueprint for how we learn and i'm learning every single week you know i'm like i didn't know that you know, I'm like, wow, how did I get to this age and not know that? But instead of the shame, it is uh, a thirst to want to know more. So I want to thank Dr. Gray Carr publicly, but I also want to thank Ajua Asamoa, And you're going to hear she's the first person who brought him into my studio at Sirius XM and it has changed my life. So I want to thank her as well for being the conduit to this greatness. Uh, up next is the very first time I met Dr. Gray Carr on SiriusXM, and I hope you enjoy this interview. She's back, she brought reinforcements. Let me welcome impact strategist, founder and CEO of ABA Consulting, Ms. Adjua Asamoah. Hey sis, how are you? What's
1: up, what's, what's up? up, what's
0: up? And then you came, you came armed this Veterans Day with, uh, with knowledge and power in the, in the form of a, of a professor. And a doctor. He's got. A, he's got a doctorate in Afri- African American history. Mm-hmm. I'm really right. excited about this. I'm glad we, to we be. We have welcome to the family, brother Dr. Greg Carr.
2: Oh, well, I got applause. Yeah, of course. So, it's a real honor to be here. Everybody who listens to you in D.C., where I live, Tony. To tell you they are huge fans, and I'm right with them. So, well, it's hello, nice to be here. Well, D.C.
0: In and every place else in between, and up no and question. down, and across and around, Cali and Toronto and Puerto Rico and, yes. of course, New York, Jersey, Florida, Atlanta.
2: No question. Y- Worldwide. I'll be here all day.
0: I'll be here all day. Not worldwide. <laughs> we just right here. We may hit a little piece of, of Canada, and a little piece. Well, of these Death young people,
2: you don't know and they capture because you're on YouTube too, which means they, they looking at you everywhere. Oh, I'm child. sure.
0: Let me tell you about YouTube. <laughs> Let me just, uh, and I don't normally start. Let me uh, first of all put out the number as soon as we get this together because I I do want to shout out veterans today, and we're going to talk a little bit about this book. When, uh, excuse me, we return fighting. I love this because I was I, I tweeted out. You know. I, Shout out veterans who served this country when this country didn't serve them, especially those who served, because you know the notion of particularly Black people not being patriotic when we're one of the few groups of people that went and fought for the rights of other people when we didn't when we didn't have rights ourselves here, fought for freedoms across the water when we didn't have freedoms here, and that to me is more patriotic than you can ever imagine because I don't know too many people that would fight for rights that they don't have. Uh, so I do want to say that, and also the way veterans are treated here, whether we're talking about the VA hospitals across the country, veterans that are suffering from PTSD but can't get uh uh they're, they're put on opioids but can't get cannabis and and hemp and other things that could help help them. It's illegal for them to have, yes. you know, cannabis and it's crazy that we have them hooked on opioids. And you know, as we we think about the folks that sacrificed their lives, people who aren't citizens who have fought for this country, who get deported We don't talk about that, but there's a Tammy Duckworth, a great veteran as well. Senator from Illinois. She, um on Wednesday introduced legislation aimed at shoring up programs that would allow undocumented relatives of military members and veterans to remain in the United States temporarily, which I think is the least we could do for people who are willing to sacrifice, something that this president has not done. Five deferments he took. Five deferments not willing to put his life on the line for this country, but yet you want to say he's a patriot? No, he's not, he's just the opposite. He's a capitalist. So I just want to say that under the Trump administration, he has rejected veterans' uh, requests for deportation He's rejected it more. So it has increased 10% uh, since Barack Obama and people being deported who have been veterans. Think about that. You fought for this country and now you're deported. Thank you for your service. Get out. Right. Thank so you. I just wanted to say that and uh, I wanted to talk about YouTube, but I that, that's personal. So we going to move on because <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know how y'all, you know, you, you, you there's a level of uh, ignorance on 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 in particular on YouTube. No question. There's a level of ignorance where people go into rabbit holes. And I'm glad you're here today, Dr. Carr, because you studied African American history. Yeah. You didn't go on YouTube to learn about history. You thank, actually thank went to school.
2: It wasn't around, thank goodness for us. I mean, I don't know about you. That's not my generation, but I do see these young people every day. And uh increasingly they have challenges we didn't have. This technology has disrupted everything. So, yeah.
0: Not always for the good. No. Oh, no, no question. Because to be, to be a doctor, to be a doctor mm-hmm. requires what? Like, can you just take us down the oh, scholarly? Sure. Because there's this right now, there's a rejection of scholarly work. And there's oh, reject. Oh, yeah. They they want to call people who read elitist, and 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 primarily, you know, this is how kind of Trump got in office with people who feel, uh, you know, y'all are talking down to me, uh, and you 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 elite people like n- no to to read is good to That's to right. educate yourself is good. Somehow the person that pursues knowledge intellectually is is the enemy, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how we got here. So please help me.
2: Well, I mean. Part of the reason we got here is we got snatched and put on a boat because that was this was never a tradition in Africa anywhere, as I would tell you. I mean, we didn't have this tradition anywhere. We we were injected into a culture that has always had an extreme elitism. I mean, you said it yourself at the very beginning uh, when you called Donald Trump the capitalist. If he could hear you, uh, well, we were coming up, I guess, Veterans Day parade day. They, they had him surrounded apparently I and mean, we by garbage trucks outside he, to protect him from these New Yorkers who have more sense than the people in my mother's home state of Alabama. Uh, I guess booting when he was here, but anyway, when we came, we were injected into a society that has never looked at human beings as equal. Women were not equal. The poor were not equal. And so the idea of reading and writing was something, you know, Thomas Jefferson himself said, you know, give all males, white males, three grades of education. And after that. We'll pick the ones who we want to help us rule this enterprise we've created, and the rest of them go to the farm. What about the women? Oh no. What about the blacks? Oh no. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna deal with the blacks. So when one rogue Negro named Benjamin Banneker, who was smarter than Come Thomas on. Jefferson will ever be in his life, wrote a series of letters to him and included one of the almanacs he had created. Jefferson was so shook, he just sent a letter to somebody else. He didn't even write Banneker back because Banneker was like, see, I'm from that race that you've called wretched. So here, w- w- what do you think about this? Is this not evidence? And Jefferson is like, yeah, man, not only is it evidence, I got to pretend like you don't exist. So, no, we, the intellectual tradition of humanity comes out of Africa. And so we got imported into a system where the priests maintained power during the Middle Ages and beyond by being the literate class. That's where the university system came from. But the vast majority of people were never intended to go to school. And we picked up some pretty bad habits over this last uh,
0: Few years so it's anti-black to not read oh no it's question anti-black on, It's anti-black not to challenge it's anti-black to not challenge that's the right. information that is anti-anti-ancestor you, like you are defiling your ancestors if you are not challenging the things that people are telling you
2: that's right Absolutely. we created reading and writing mm. and when you look at that i mean to think and, and again and it's so important that i'm glad you're raising this now in the age of youtube and social media because this is a recent phenomenon for our people um, coming out of enslavement. By then, of course, the languages we had, the Yoruba, the Igbo, the all the languages we had, the tree, the Hausa, those languages have been collapsed into various forms of Ebonics and hidden under Spanish and French and Portuguese and English. But when we came out of enslavement, we realized that literacy was one of our weapons to fight in our liberation struggle. We used that as a tool. Our people, imagine that. Mary McLeod Bethune talks about this. She testified before Congress in the early 40s. And she said, I come from a people who within two generations had moved from a group of people who could not read or write to a people who had all but eliminated all but a handful of people who couldn't read or write. So imagine that people come out of enslavement who couldn't read or write English in some kind of way they willed their children into institutions that they built with their hands many of them who could read and write. Now these are the great-grandchildren of the YouTube generation. So not only are you disrespecting your ancestors, you're disrespecting your great-great-grandmom who mopped floors, who washed clothes, who drove cars, and then so that their children could go to school. And now, and and finally I say, I don't blame those young people, these young people in a way. That's why this show is so important. The conversation you all are having is so important. I don't blame them because between those generations and them has come the technology. So I don't know how in the world I would have behaved if somebody had put a, a cell phone in my hand when I was six months old. Or 12 months old. Right. And I tried to, you know, there's a recent study has been done where these social scientists gave infants these phones and then they tried to time them for how long it would take for them to put the phone down once they realized it wasn't a touch screen. Some of them, they just had to take the devices from them. They kept trying after a minute, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. They pick it back up. Why? Because they're so used now to everything responding to touch. Picking up a book after that experience, it's almost like, uh, you know, and like I said, I, I face it every day, but I'm not one of the people who has to face it in the way that our colleagues in k-12 do right my hat is off to every educator k-12 particularly elementary schools because it's just it's just a thing we've got to figure out how to solve
0: great
1: you car still use a, a chalkboard
2: no question yeah
1: <laughs> dr K- gray car is
0: in the building let me <laughs> thank ajwa again um and we want we're going to talk uh, i'm introducing you to the family because i think you need to be here for a while not just today because um, you you are responsible for bringing education, bringing African American, and it's it's not history, bringing history into classrooms and school schoolrooms across this country. You've been responsible for doing that. I think in Philadelphia, oh, you yeah. did that. Yeah, uh, you were the co-founder of the Philadelphia Freedom Schools Movement, which yes. I think is super important. You've also brought this curriculum into places like Salvador, mm-hmm. uh, France, Brazil, South Africa, Egypt, England. You yeah. you so this is important. Um, but we need to have a larger conversation. Tell me about this book that you brought in.
1: Go so ahead. so the book is, is, is titled We Return Fighting. And essentially it, it speaks to, and I, haven't, I f- haven't finished the entire book, but we were at the Smithsonian uh, – The uh, National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And Greg was interviewing, Dr. Carr, excuse me, let me be formal since we're on on the radio. Um, He was interviewing the author. uh, What was his name, Greg? Colonel? Uh, Kowalski
2: Uh, Kowalski Salter. Yes. uh, He's a colonel. He is a retired colonel and has a Ph.D. in history, military history. Military history. And Mm -hmm. study of African-American military. Brilliant, brother.
1: And it essentially talks about how our, our folks went over there to fight only to come back and have to continue fighting. So we went to fight for an idea that we, we never actually had. This is so World, World War, War I. It-
2: yes, yes, yes.
1: And so we're still fighting. And that's okay, because we're built for no
0: this. No, <laughs> so No question. Uh, I sent over also this piece by Immanuel Kant. Uh, Thank was, you. Yeah, I yeah. was reading it. So last Te- Tech Tuesday we had a guest on who is a tech funder and he funds businesses in Africa and I said, what? what's your background? I'm assuming computer science, technology. He said, no, I have a degree in, in philosophy, and I was like, that's a BS degree. I know, because i got to be in a philosophy class, because philosophy is BS, <laughs> and I brought up Immanuel Kant, right? <laughs> and a few people ch- checked me. It was like, oh, philosophies are great, and I'm like, no, so,
1: yeah. Who's you, philosophy?
0: Exactly, <laughs> and if, you, if you're in America, and this is why, again, challenging, challenging through actual reading, will allow you to have a greater, broader understanding. You couldn't just do African-American history. I think you have a degree in that, module. Do. Do, without studying other things. Unfortunately, we're indoctrinated in a whole lot of other things, so we almost have to unlearn some of the things to mm-hmm. get reintroduced to actual real history and literature and other things. But I was reading about Immanuel Kant this weekend and I was like, oh, let me bring this to the table. So, uh, you know, for those who don't know, they call him a great moral philosopher, moral philosopher yes. with an emphasis on morality, right? Yes. And this is a man for more than two centuries, his work has been praised and, you know, he's been groundbreaking as he analyzes how we should live our lives. And he talks about justice and virtue, except he was a racist, how about right? Right. so he said this he said the white race possesses all incentives and talents in itself the race of negroes can be educated but only as slaves the um, indigenous americans cannot be educated they care nothing they care about nothing and are lazy this is what kant said Mm -hmm. right now he then became awakened because he got again relationship must much the way Mm -hmm. jefferson and lincoln and others because you're always going to run into a Benjamin Banneker or Frederick Douglass That's right. along the way. That's right. And there are many of us out there like that that will change the trajectory of the way people have been indoctrinated into believing. And again, he came from a very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. He was taught this. Yes. And then he taught this. Yes. But we need more people to unteach this and to teach what you're teaching. Greg Carr, Dr. Well, Carr. Well,
2: trying. I mean, trying. I mean, and Kant is a fascinating figure. I mean, Kant, born, raised, he was Prussian. He uh, basically lived within a few mile radius his whole life. His, his life is really a metaphor for the narrowness of Western philosophical traditions. As, and, and thank you so much. That article was, I think, very thorough. And it, and it really painted what we're up against. Philosophy, in many ways, is the foundation for everything else. You know, Hegel is quite mentioned in there, the German philosopher. Hegel wrote a, a book called Philosophy of History. He was not a historian, but he was a philosopher. In fact, we get PhDs, we get JDs, we get all these degrees understanding that, that it is a philosophy. A, a PhD is a, is, a, is a doctorate in philosophy of a certain discipline. Mm-hmm. And all really disciplines are is an attempt for every generation to build on what has been learned for the previous generations. So, you know, our, our field in, in a temple, where we went to schools, African studies, African studies, people say, well, is it history? Is it philosophy? I say, no, no, no. It's a different way of reordering knowledge. Yes. We can't restrict it to political science or, or phil- history. Cause or the English. minute you go down, I'm glad you used the, the word, the, the word, you know, like a wormhole going down a rabbit hole. Like you, once you channel it into one discipline, you lose sight of the master discipline, the master discipline is philosophy. And what is philosophy? It is the study of ideas. So once you frame that idea the way Kant does, then that means everybody who is not white has to fight their way into history. But the real trick is the people who we call white had to fight their way into whiteness.
1: Yes, Irish, Italians—they were others. They were this others. concept of, of whiteness is uh, we know it, well race it, in general is a social construct. But you look at the Italians and the the Irish—they were the others. No they question. had they worked their way into the concept of whiteness. So it's, no it's all very interesting. No. While we're talking about our our time at Temple, I don't know if you remember um, Pop. He taught intellectual heritage.
2: Oh, and
1: yeah. there was Intellectual Heritage One and Intellectual Heritage Two that we had to take in undergrad. Pop talked about who's Pop? Doctor Norman. Okay, that's Doctor Nate Norman. Dr. Right. Nathan- like, Norman. This ain't that? just about you.
0: There's people
2: listening. Yes, Very. they yes,
0: don't know yes, who yes, Pop yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. yes
2: Doctor Nate Norman, who uh, retired from Temple, he was once the chair of the African Studies Department at Temple. He's now. Uh, like all black people who can't spell the word retired, not because they're not smart, (laughs) but because we work forever. He's now on faculty in the English department at Morehouse Morehouse. College. He said, I'm going to a black school and spend a long time with these brothers. So, yeah, he he did teach intellectual heritage.
1: But he taught it using African philosophers. We weren't just talking about these, you know, mythological Greek philosophers. We were talking about real African philosophers. So. I just wanted to add that piece to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Dr. is at Howard university department. Uh, you're the chair
0: there.
2: Yeah. For oh, now, oh, yeah. I don't know how much longer yeah, they'll, they'll wear you out down, you know, Negro college, break your heart. Like what our does people. That, mean? that means that the only thing that can break your heart is the thing you love. So our people, we love them and that's why they can break our hearts. <laughs> and so I we hate. get up in the morning and keep hate. working for them. That's all with heartache. So, but yeah, I, I've been there for 19 years, the last 10 or so as chair Been thinking about maybe doing some different things because as you said, You know, the universities, you know, are one place. The museums, and and like we were talking about this, we return fighting. Kowalski-Salters, my good friend and another sister who's right there with you, shoulder-to-shoulder fighting the fight, the deputy director of that museum, Kinshasa Conwell is the editor of that book. You know, museums are another place, and the airwaves. Mm -hmm. I think more people, you reach more people Mm -hmm. in a two- or three-hour block than our people do at the universities over the course of a semester, and that's very important. So
0: That's why people who have the people's ears and eyes have to be responsible and held accountable, right? And yes. this is, you know, for me, I'm shocked and sometimes staggered at the level of ignorance that people are willing to have infected. Like, for real, like, mm-hmm. you you just you just eating that. Like, it's just okay, you know? And it's amazing to me how, how first of all, when you check somebody, they, they instead of going to find out whether you're right or wrong, they double down on being angry, you know, mm-hmm. about it. And it's like, nah, nah, everyone should, be elite if that's the case right, right. you're right and, and people few people know that our education system is built for us to not have beyond the third grade education oh no question few it, people know that mm-mm. we know everyone should have an education well Th- thomas jefferson wanted you to have just enough to not kill each other that's right that was it and get just his enough. crops and get his crops get, in and do get what in what in it. right that's i just right. i don't need you to compete with me huh but we're competing now